This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop. Then he was in forensics. Then he was a New South Wales firefighter. This season of Loose Units is called Hot Stuff Coming Through, and apart from having an incredibly cool and stupid name, it's going to reveal the untold side of being a firefighter in Australia. Enjoy. Welcome to Loose Units, Hot Stuff Coming Through. I'm your host, Paul Verhoeven, and across from me and many, many miles away is my ex-firefighter and ex-cop dad, John Verhoeven. Dad, how are you doing today? In a word, marvellous, but I I was worried then for a moment. Why? Because I thought you were going to say ex-dad. Oh, no, I can't, I mean, I can't divorce, I can't, you know, there's like parents who can, kids who can divorce their parents, that was a whole thing mm. about it. Paul, um, over the weekend, we've had so much incredible um, feedback, positive feedback about your, uh, that special thing that you've written called Electric Blue, <laughs> your book, that's it, you remember? Yeah, yeah. You wrote a book. Faintly, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a And haze. I just wanted to say, before we jump into this week's horrific episode, with lots and lots of bad shit, because I know that the people, uh, you know... Haven't had a lot of horrific stories lately, mm. but I'm about to make up for that. Oh boy! I'd like to personally, from the bottom of my bottom of my what heart. What's, what's an appropriate thing? That's it, heart. From the bottom of my heart, say thanks to everyone who's pre-ordered, including Paul, your your grandmother. Oh, that's who's lovely. Who's ordered four? Oh, jeezy crazy. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty full on. I haven't ordered any. Well, you know, I, th- I think you know, you. I wrote it about you, so you. Can, I think you get a copy. I, I hope so. Gonna, I think we'll comp you at some Thank point. You. You're very good. But really, thank you so much, everyone who's pre-ordered the book. Just please keep pre-ordering, you know, buy it for gifts for people. Let's just absolutely flood the market with this thing. So many of you are curious as to where you can pre-order Electric Blue, uh, my next book. It is, you can go to penguin.com.au and then search for Electric Blue. And then there's a whole bunch of different options, you know, for Kindle and for Amazon and for blah, 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 blah. We'll have more info. Did you just say for Amazon or for Amazon? Well, I could have said for Amazon, you know, like the French Amazon. Sounded like that. For Amazon. Hmm. Le Framazon. But seriously, Electric Blue, it's out Father's Day and lots of really exciting stuff's going to be happening with it. And there's all kinds of other exciting stuff happening in the wings that we can't talk about. But what we can talk about on this Fire Brigade-themed podcast is a single word that Dad sent to me in all caps. And he just said backburning. So, Dad, we haven't talked about backburning. For, for the layman, what is backburning? Okay, so backburning, which is a very... Uh... Well, it's a topic that, for lots of reasons, um, they talk about it all the time in terms of creating fire, burning uh, ground fuel in preparation for the next season. And it's always been a contentious issue. So you've got the conservation uh, people on one yeah. side that just say, look, we should just let nature take its course. Mm-hmm. 
But what happens is, and it, and it's a, a, a cycle that's been happening in Australia for millennia, thousands. Well, there's and certain thousands plants that we years. have that. Re- that Whereby, require because, uh, fire to actually... Correct, mm. yeah. Require extreme heat for the nut to actually... Well, the nut's inside. Is the nut inside the Please case? stop saying nut. And then the extreme, the, the extreme heat uh, facilitates the, uh, the pod to open up and to reveal <laughs> the nut that actually then, in theory, drops to the ground. Oh, Unless a, uh, what is... Unlikely, I haven't seen this happen, but it, what could happen is that as the nut's falling, a, um, a koala bear uh, that might be just hanging in a fork could actually reach out and grab it. And in doing so, even though they don't eat them, um, they, uh, that would stop the nut hit, hitting the ground. But uh, that's unlikely. But what happens generally is the nut does hit the ground and then it, um, we, we have rain. You laughing, Paul? Well, it just sounds like you're talking about someone's balls dropping, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the nut, uh, the nut, it, the nut, <laughs> then the nut uh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I promised I wouldn't laugh. Because this is so uncool to be laughing. No, we're, this, lo- this, no, we're all laughing now. Yeah. But where are we going in the, in the not-too-distant future? Well, let us just get it out of our system then. All, all right. right. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway. So that then they, it, they grow. Plants grow from the. Yeah. So tired. Oh, anyway. our, our premier today announced that we can leave the house. I think it's like a moment too soon. Oh my yeah, god! I understand. I've never lost it like that. And for all the listeners, um, I'm, I'm not going to apologise because I think it's it's part of the uh, part of the rawness. This is this is uh, it's off the cuff. Mm-hmm. Damn straight. And, uh, and that's great. Mm. Mm. Uh, so. Backburning. Yeah. So what happens? I think I, I know that I mentioned it once. I'm not sure whether it probably was a long time ago, but here's one of the things they do to measure ground fuel. They've got a, from memory, I think it was a meter square tied onto a piece of rope. Yeah. They pull up in any place in the bush. They throw it out into the bush. Actually, this is bloody fascinating. They then follow the rope to the square yep, and they then get a knife and they cut through all the fuel, i.e. the leaves and twigs and everything. Oh, so that's what you mean when you say fuel. You mean like Ground stuff, fuel. That can, yep. stuff that could burn. Okay. Correct. Okay. And then they, they, so they cut right down to the soil. Yep. They then gather up all the fuel into a bag. Mm-hmm. They then, and someone might like to correct me, but I have a feeling from memory that they dry the, uh, the contents and then they weigh it. And then through fairly, I imagine, either complex or not complex mathematical computations, mm-hmm. they can calculate the ground fuel mass per hectare, per square kilometre, square mile, per acre, whatever they decide, whatever is the, the, the standard they use. Yeah. And then that gives them an indication of the fuel that will will actually 
create that that magnificent, not magnificent, but that, that amazing effect that we see that enables fires to actually travel rapidly through the uh, the forests mm. because it's just got because let's let's go back to basics the three things that the fire requires um, fuel mm-hmm. heat and oxygen gotcha and those three ingredients in a bushfire are abundant but if you can take one of those three things out of the uh, the triangle the fire will will cease to uh, to exist so you know okay. that if you can starve um, an analogy is that if we light a candle and we smother the flame, we are depriving the, the fire of oxygen. If we got rid of the, the wick or the wax, that's the fuel. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, these are the things that are required, and the heat obviously is, is fairly self-explanatory. Yeah, great. So with a backburn, you are given a, uh, a special uh, device, which is like a, like a little red can with a long tube, and at the ends this... What I would describe, I'm trying to think of a good way. Imagine, what's a good way of describing it? Imagine if you had sort of cotton wool wrapped in a sort of a, um, like a sieve. Actually, funnily enough, Paul, it looks a little bit like the end of my microphone. Oh, and okay. So what happens is you, you, now I'm not quite sure of the, whether I get this right, but um, I, from memory, it was two thirds diesel, one third mm. petrol. Mm-hmm. It sounds diabolical. And you mix it up, you pour it in the bottom, and then you turn, and it's got a handle. Yeah. And um, it's a fancy thing. And you light the top of it, and then when you sort of invert so that the uh, the sort of the end where the fuel is going to come out of it, it comes out in, in dollops. It doesn't just piss out everywhere. It comes out fairly gradually, but that's a light. So as you... It's like dropping um, some sort of waxy stuff onto the floor, but it's burning. Or, you know, if you burn rubber and then you turn, as the rubber falls to the ground, it's still on fire and then it burns when it's on the ground. So you're actually creating this uh, accelerant. And what you do is you just walk along these lines that have been created oh, okay. like the side of a road and yep. you drip. it's called a drip torch. I mean, it's sort of fairly self-explanatory in terms of what it's doing. And you are leaving a beautiful trail a fairly low-level flame. And the thing is that that flame, then it's not going to walk or work towards you because you've chosen the most, the best conditions. No wind, generally in the cooler months. And it's really well organised. All the, all the neighbours know uh, you've got teams, you've got standby people with water, um, you might have some aerial appliances. It's all really, really um, sort of well organised. The thing is that the fire slowly very very slowly because bearing in mind there's no wind makes its way into the bush and as it goes it's just burning the ground fuel you don't give it a chance if it looks as though it's going to creep up a, up a big tree you just knock it out that's the right. term they use and there are various techniques they use to knock it knock these things out knock out just means to put out yeah but the thing is paul that um in uh, mid uh, June of 2000, the New South Wales National Parks and Wildlife Service, they um, uh, they had some uh, officers that were uh, male and female yeah. that had decided to uh, do some backburning in the Kuringai National Park, which is a park uh, we know well. It features very, very prominently in Electric Blue, actually. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and as the listeners uh, know and will come to know more detail in, in relation to perhaps 
what may be said or not said in your second book, mm-hmm. some incredible things. I mean, there've been some bloody terrible things happen in that park. Um, there was a it's really a... There was terrible, terrible murder um, not so long ago, which is not related to when I was in the police force. But mm-hmm. yeah, people, because uh, I was actually doing some photography up there, get ready for this. Um, and this is sort of, again, pretty well unrehearsed, but an hour and a half, two hours ago, I was in that park taking photographs. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Really? Yeah. And um, so the park, um, remember the uh, the pharmacist that his grandson used to go down to that haunt down in the National Park and used a crossbow? And used to shoot people. No. And bring their bodies back and put them in a refrigerator. What? No. And, you, and your grandmother taught him. No. Fucking what? Yeah. Hang on. Yep. Are you sure that I haven't told you this story? I'm like a thousand, ten thousand percent sure you've never told me this story. Yeah. Oh, God. A crossbow. A crossbow. A crossbow. He was Grand- known as the... Oh, boy. <sighs> Mate. Seriously heavy. Do you want to tell it now? Are you sure? Or do you want to do the backburning now and then next week listeners yeah. can tune in and hear this story? Yeah. I, I cannot believe I haven't told you that. So you've, you've got no idea where this story is going? Nope. Okay, well, that particular incident I'll tell you about next week. Great, we'll do that next week. I say you, I mean you and all the everyone else. Yeah. But as I was saying, in uh, in June 2000, these um, National Parks um, officers that... Look, it's, it's all very well for me to speak in hindsight, but I have also read the, the ruling and they, because it went to court and there were 17 findings to be held against national parks in terms of 
the things that they'd done done wrong, basically. So what happened was they were doing a backburn. They had either seven or eight, from memory, seven or eight of their officers, and the conditions were perfect. We're talking the best conditions you can possibly have. It's winter. Yep. It was a beautiful day. There's no wind. Just to be clear, you mean the best possible conditions for, for backburning, backburn. not for a fire? Okay. No, no. Okay. Um, the opposite. So, you know, as I said to you and the listeners, when you do a backburn, you want things to be really, you certainly don't want any wind. Because we all know that, um, you know, backburning can get away from you. Yeah. And the results um, can be terrible. And on this particular day, the fire, they were, everything was honky dory. Unfortunately, uh, the fire got away. The conditions changed. Three of the officers attached to that organization they died in the bush they were burnt burnt to death uh, a fourth officer uh, lived for about eight weeks and oh, he died but the new south wales fire brigade um, were called in obviously as were other uh, organizations uh, because you know it was clearly getting out of control and the and barara fire station was one of the fire stations that were the first on the first at the scene yeah the uh, the fireys went into the bush. They came across various uh, you know burnt people, but one of the most terrible and devastating um, scenes that uh, the fire brigade from Barara, the fireys were uh, had encountered or did encounter on that particular day, and it's something mm. that again for the listeners was not reported, obviously. Um, but it's been Are a we... while. It's been almost twenty years ago. Uh, you know, and again, this is from a fire fire brigade perspective. This is an example of some of the the heavy shit that they see. The fireys from Barara on a particular platoon, they uh, came across, they in fact at first thought it was a um, like a burnt tree um, and it had sort of sculptural um, attributes and it was sitting in a sort of a crouched position on a rock and it was um, a human being that was burnt beyond recognition. It was one of those national parks and wildlife uh, ranges that had been fighting the fire, um, it got away from them, they were trapped. This particular uh, uh, a guy, he managed to get on top of this rock where, I don't know, for whatever reason, imagine what's happening. There's a fire burning around you and it basically... And there he stayed in that, in that frozen position. And uh, my colleagues, the wonderful New South Wales Fire Brigade guys, on that particular fateful shift, they happened to come across his, uh, his body. Now imagine the... Uh, I mean, just imagine seeing that beyond... Um, but a terrible, terrible thing to discover. And it happened during the day. So, yeah, it would have been very visceral. Um, so that's pretty pretty heavy. Again, you know, they don't, they don't um, get counselling, these fireys. And then think about the poor, uh, you know, the ambos, the paramedics, you know, all the people involved, the contractors, uh, then getting the, uh, the remains. They have to have life pronounced extinct, as you know. Mm. And speaking about... I mean, I've explained to you how... Back in the 80s when we found, for example, bones, we'd have the bones, we had to take the bones to um, to the Martyr Hospital and the ambulance occasionally, very rarely, I, I know they certainly don't do it now, but occasionally the ambos would take bones and right. help you out and get them to the morgue. Right, okay. Like a skeleton, for example. Sure, but sure. But here's, sure. I mean, this is going to sound, I mean, imagine we've just gone from this burnt sort of effigy of a, of a human on a rock who's died. I mean, he didn't go to work that day thinking... I'm not coming home. So there's all that trauma as well. But he would have been surrounded by fire. I mean, you can't even... Oh, God, it's... You just hope that the um, that the carbon and the smoke and all the bad shit in, in the flames, you hope that he passed out and possibly 
perhaps also because remember that one of the keys with fires is that there's an incredible uh, sort of ferocious uh, desire for the fire to to um, to absorb and use as much oxygen as possible. And hopefully yes. that he um, perhaps you know sucked on his last breath prior to uh, burning. So yeah, but then it's funny how I can go not funny but weird how I can go from that to then saying that. And I know I've discussed this with the listeners um, before, and that is that um, sometimes we had to um, take bones to the hospital, and we had to—I'll never forget it—where we had a doctor come out in his in his coat with his stethoscope, and he comedically perhaps put his because he realised it was a total joke, but had to be done, and he had to pronounce life extinct on a skeleton. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's dreadful. And he even he even got his stethoscope and and sort of put it down near his chest on these bones he did that kind of partially because he realized the stupidity of the whole thing and it was pretty stupid with terrible things where it's clearly clear that the person is deceased they still have to have life pronounced extinct Mm. which is kind of it makes sense but it's still weird to imagine that that's still done i guess so there can be no ambiguity Mm -hmm. or doubt but it's just a procedure that they go through. So that's that's fairly fascinating. Yeah. Um, but there was this case, I mean, all the listeners, or hopefully a lot of the listeners know that when I was in the New South Wales Fire Brigades, um, you know, doing shift work, two days, two nights, four off, and I had the antique business going, which was, you know, pretty tough. You know, what's funny is there's probably a lot of people wondering how you ended up in the, uh, like, you know, <laughs> working at a funeral home with all the jobs you've had. And coincidentally, if you want to find out you know, a very Hollywood version of how that happened. It's in Electric Blue. So the book actually explains how dad and mum ended up working at a funeral home. So you told me about a story where a guy was fighting fires up in New Guinea. And I assume there was, was there backburning in that story as well? Yeah, yeah they, were, they, were, um, they were getting ready for some big uh, mining operation and they needed to clear the forest. Mm-hmm. And this particular guy, he was um, actually, again, he was not, I don't say, don't mean to say this, it, as in, again, as in it happens all the time, but he was not trained at, to a very high professional level in relation to backburning. And this was he was working for a very, very big multinational mining company. And obviously, in the middle of nowhere up in New Guinea, they need to clear the forest for lots of reasons. They have to create runways, and he was doing some backburning up there. But here's the really, really kind of spooky and surreal thing, is that he was being lowered down into, through the canopy, yep. on on the end of a um, like a long rope and he was on wearing a harness with all his gear and he was being lowered down into the forest to um, to commence backburning a gust of wind picked up the helicopter that he was that was he was dangling probably I would say from my experience in the air wing he would have been probably maybe maybe four or five stories down. So the, you can imagine how far, because these cables on these helicopters, some of them are really, really long when they do sea rescues, etc. Mm-hmm. And he um, he was at the end of this thing. And when he got to the, so in theory, he was going to get to the ground, then un- unhitch himself with all his gear. And then he was going to commence some backburning in the jungle. Yeah. And then he'd make his way to a clearing. And then, you know, once he'd done what he had to do, and then he'd be um, lifted to safety. But what happened was, as they were kind of, he's right in the middle of the canopy, 30 or 40 feet from the ground, the helicopter started to be buffeted by wind and he was being basically torn and dragged through the canopy. Now, there's a very, very simple rule when you're in a helicopter and you're doing this sort of work. Can you think about what 
the, the guy that's controlling the winch is going to do? Christ, I don't know. We either wind him up or drop him off. Um, How do you think they drop him off? They would they lower cut the, the... wire. They cut the wire. That's what they do in an emergency. So they cut the wire. They've already dragged the shit out of this guy through the canopy. The poor pilot's trying to... Well, okay. It's that classic case of... Does, does one person die and maybe survive? Or do they lose the entire crew? So there's a pilot, right. co-pilot, at least one or two people in the back. There's the guy controlling the winch. Mm-hmm. Aside from the fact that, dare I say it, and this is going to sound terrible, but it's also an exceptionally valuable piece of equipment. I think that all these things play in, but more so are we going to... Because it's catastrophic if that cable gets wrapped around a tree. It's yeah. all over. So they cut. Now, I remember when I was in the air wing, they had these special pliers, and if something untoward happened, there was a technique, we'd, we'd cut the wire. Anyway, so this poor guy who's on the end of this thing, I mean, you don't know what was going through his head. He'd be thinking, he might be thinking, shit, this is not good, but he might have still been okay. But they don't know that. But then they cut him. So then he not only has sustained various injuries, possibly whilst he's being buffeted and torn through trees, but then he goes into free fall, four or five storeys down. Now, if you jump off a four or five storey building, you're fucked. That's assuming you're in perfect condition prior to them cutting the wire. So he's then gone down and, and he died. Now, his body had to come back to Australia. And when I worked for Kinsella Funeral Homes, I had no idea when I started. I got a job there... My job was to polish the bloody cars and wax them. That's what I was. I was a shit kicker. Right. I mean, I wasn't interested in anything else because I was in, you know, I was in the fire brigade. I just needed a second job. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I find myself driving one day out to the uh, the airport at um, Kingsford Smith, and we had to pick up um, the coffin that came off the plane. That it was a private jet that the mining company, a massive international mining company, they, they I mean, they felt, and they had to deliver this poor dead guy back to uh, to Sydney. We picked up the casket, but because he'd been flying, they had to seal him in a lead casket. And then we uh, got him and they'd embalmed him, kind of. Mm-hmm. I've got the most incredible funeral stories, but you know, they'll come later on. Yeah, uh, we can, can tell imagine. stories later. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, we, uh, we got him back to uh, the funeral home and um, we then uh, un- unsealed the lead, the lead casket, Mm-hmm. to reveal this poor guy and uh, then I realised um, due to my forensic background that um, he had a lot more had happened to him than just being cut loose. He, what do you he, mean? He had, well, he had sustained the most terrible injuries while he was still alive, being dragged around in the canopy of this forest yeah. and it was, it was really, really bad. So, yeah, that's just a, that's just a little segue into the uh, sort of dipping my toe into the... The funeral home stuff, I, yeah. I don't know how you are still upright at this point, honestly. Some mm. of the stuff you've yeah, well. you've lived through has been really horrifying. I know a few times, oh, Dad. Sorry, you go. No, no, I was just going to say, Paul, that um, you know, the listeners have been with us on this journey. Um, you know, the live, Remember how we, every live show we'd talk about stuff that was not like they were hearing it, you know, for the first time? Yes, not very press, much so. so to speak. But, yeah. you know, I haven't... I mean... All the listeners know that I've seen some diabolical stuff, and I still do make that uh, that comment that I the only thing that I've never done really is go to war, and yeah. I don't want to go. Um, and now I'm too old to go, thank God. The things that I'd seen in forensics and the f- 
fire brigade and uh, work cover, which yeah. everyone's sort of come along for the journey. I think emotionally, um, the 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 things that I saw in the funeral industry were the ones that were definitely you know the worst, because not only did I see the bad shit, but I then had to deal with the families. That's a very but that's point. another story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think several times we've you know like flagged the the notion of doing our next season on the funeral home period on the on your you know time in the funeral home industry mm. Mm. i think i would love to hear from listeners and see what they think of that idea uh whether they would like us to do you know a season based on dad's time basically running a funeral home which is yep. you know it, it's whole it's, it's a whole other you know kettle of fish it is yeah but unfortunately that is all the time we have this week for this episode of loose units hot stuff coming through thank you so much for listening seriously we said it before and we're going to say it again. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you who have sent in messages and photos and stuff and you know, just told us that you're going to be pre-ordering Electric Blue. It means the absolute world. And obviously, it's my second book. It's, you know, it's a big deal and we're just so excited for it to hit bookshelves and you know, uh, bookstores and libraries and you know, grab an e-book, grab an audio book, grab the physical copy. But either way, pre-order it now if you want this to go global. Dad and I will be back at the end of this week for another episode of our quarantine spin-off, Loose Ends. Take it easy and we'll see you then. All the best. Bye-bye. It's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.